comic that it's all so tragic It's that humdrum novel, old black magic Let's have a laugh after we cry Let's hope we live before we die The silly clown's red nose is running And it's tragic that it's all so funny It's crucial and it doesn't matter Vows of love are idle chatter To feel this good has to be bad I'm so damn happy that it's sad Dear listener, would you like to slap me? And the sad thing is I'm so damn happy Yes, the sad thing is Hello and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on Saturday's disappointing defeat at Fur Hill, Rhys Haldane. Rhys, how are you? I am very well, Matt. Um, not really looking forward to discussing the game, but I'm looking forward to be joined by our special guest tonight. Absolutely. We'll get to him in a moment. David Forrest here. David, are you well? I am well. M- much like Reese, I, I don't really want to talk about the game, but uh, you know, the, this is this, this is the gig. You know, this is the job that we signed up for. So you know, we'll, we'll get on when we move. And rounding off our panelists, week, he's making a, a long-awaited pod debut as Jack Carson. Jack, how are you? Still very rough from the weekend. The game feels like it was about a week ago for me, but I still remember it all too well, unfortunately. So thanks very much for having me on, guys. I've been waiting for this call up for a while. <laughs> I've been impressed in the reserves. I don't want to go all uh, day one and a new job on you, but for those who are listening who don't know you, Jack, do you want to give us a quick introduction who you are when you started supporting the Thistle? Yeah, well, of course I am. So basically, I've, I'm a, a lifelong Thistle fan. I don't I don't know what my first game was in it because I was I was taken before I could stay awake for a 90-minute game or walk. It's that much. So, yeah, so I, I might think I've been going to Fur Hill for probably safe to say about 23 years obviously very recently been elected to the Jags Foundation board which has been brilliant involved at the Jags Foundation and pretty much everything Thistle and every level from from Munz to Fur Hill type thing so yeah that's me Good stuff as David mentioned, I don't think any of us really want to, to speak about the football too much but we'll do our best to, to avoid it I'm going to start by asking you if you had a, a blank canvas for a podcast episode, what is one niche thing so not a, not a mainstream thing a niche thing that you're interested in you could do a whole pod on David I'm going to leave you to last because I think you'll have a plenty here Reese I'll start with you on that one see this is my niche thing part of it so is, is my niche but um, if I was to go outside that I'm, I'm not too sure I was having a think there it's not really niche it's pretty mainstream but I, I'm quite I'm quite a fan of the NBA and like basketball in general so I suppose it's niche in Scotland not really many people you bump into that or even wanting to talk about it or are interested in it really so it's niche among the UK really but obviously it's, it's it's big on a global scale so that would be my niche. Jack what about you? So generally speaking and you know, this is quite easy for me to answer it's definitely World War 2 but you like going even more niche than that the Battle of Stalingrad strangely enough don't know why just totally fascinated by it I don't know if you've ever seen on Netflix it's like the, the greatest events of World War 2 in colour I think I've watched the Stalingrad episode like it's about an hour long, easily like 40, 50 times. Instead of like running through the whole series, I'll, I'll like run through the series and then repeat that episode like nine or ten times back to back just to watch it over and over again. So nah, that's my like really niche thing that I can do a whole podcast episode of Battle of Stalingrad. 
I think David would be delighted to edit that for you as well. David, you've already got a, a niche podcast on top of your draw, lose or draw commitments, but have you got any others in the, in the pipeline? I mean, I remember uh, I was planning to start one last year about sort of like Soviet football, because I'm big into my Soviet history. No, much like Jack Stalingrad, but I'm big into my Soviet history and like Soviet football. I would probably like to do one of those. I did try and get it off the ground, and then I got a lot of guys from Ukraine that I spoke to in about early February, late January 2022, and sadly they had other commitments um, in February 2022 in Ukraine, and it all just fell apart. So, you never know, I might come back. But if I had to pick a, a really vain sort of thing to do a podcast on, there's one thing I love hearing people talk about more than anything, and it's their uh, football manager saves and FIFA saves. I could honestly sit for hours and listen to people talk about it. It's your own wee world. I think it's amazing. If you have a FIFA f- football manager save and you need someone to talk about all the people you like, I will gladly listen to it. I love listening to it. So maybe a pod where people come on and talk about how amazing they are as a manager on football manager and go through the, you know how everyone has won the League Cup with his own football manager. Go through your big day at Hamden and stuff like that. That's probably what I would do. Might start it. Might start as a job for vain people. Of you know, I'll make you a podcast of you how amazing you were when you won the Champions League with Stenhousemuir and charge him for that. That might be the a good gig. But yeah, as Soviet football or or football manager saves. Uh, the file size of the citation next to other commitments in Ukraine of February 2022 is going to be absolutely colossal. Um, other commitments doing quite a bit of heavy lifting there, David. I've got another pitch for you. Obviously, if it's not Doctor Who, this isn't mainstream, but in terms of pod, well, it is mainstream. In terms of podcasts, it would be quite niche. I don't think anyone's doing this at the moment. A weekly roundup of the the quiz shows on terrestrial television. So you've got your only connects mastermind, the chase, pointless. Uh, occasionally who wants to be a millionaire, the 1% club. Round up all the questions, round up the tactics. I'm obsessed with game show tactics, David. I, I think I think that might interest you for podcast number three in your life. This really does sound like a pitch, I'm not going to lie. and I, I, I'm not going to say I'm not I'm, I'm not interested. <laughs> Coming soon, maybe. Um, we'll have a look at the start rather than for, for Saturday. We're seven minutes in, we've, we've reached Saturday's game. We've done our best to do it. Uh, Reese, I'll spare you this week. I'll, I'll the last one to Jack. Uh, Harry Melman, Xander McKenzie come in for Kieran and Gwenya and Jack McMillan. So just the two changes from the, the 4 0 win down air. Were you happy with that, 11, when you saw it? How concerned were you that McMillan hadn't recovered from his injury? And obviously, rather, he was always in the team. And I think Saturday in particular, I mean, we've been without him for kind of periods this season. Not, we've not always kind of coped. But as you say, he didn't, or even off early, he did at Somerset Park. And I thought, yeah, I thought McKenzie came on and, and done well. It wasn't really that. Concern. I thought the eleven was was exactly what I'd have picked, which is ironic because I don't think one of them, not for the first time, I can really remember. Probably since like the the uh, Hamilton and Cove debacles for last season, that every single player on the park has dropped like a four out of ten or or, or lower. I know I'm I'm trying not to be too hard with those, um, because it's it's just going to be one of those seasons again. I think um, we've lost a lot. The spine of the team, but I just think for for you know, being the being the manager, I thought. Don't get me wrong, I thought Abrov came and set about us very well. That Campbell done a good job on us, to to be fair. But I think being a manager and having that many off days on the park, well, you know, it might not have been tactical differences, but like players just carry kind of pass about ten yards, 
we're just weren't reading the game at all. Exactly, there was a lack of communication sometimes between players. You can see quite early on that the heads were going down. So I was I was I was happy they started eleven, but wow, what what a, what a bad day we had uh, from the word go. Reese, can you put your finger on on why we were quite so bad? As Jack said, I don't think anyone really got past marks. Why do you think it was it was such a bad day at the office on Saturday? Uh, it was really poor, wasn't it? I can't quite put my finger on it myself, really. You have games like that um, in a season where you're just miles off it and our both were pretty good. And on the day, it just it just looks really bad. Uh, I was speaking to a guy in my work about it and he's always at one of the ones where like, you just didn't take your chances. And I was like, nah, no even. like We were, we were just pish. We could have played for another another 90 and we still wouldn't have scored. We didn't start creating anything until we were 3-0 done. And even then, we missed a couple of sitters. So... It was just, it was really poor, um, and you can almost tell within about five minutes, obviously, we scored a, an offside goal, and genuinely, I don't think we created anything else, really, by the last five minutes, and it it was just all, all over the park, nobody was really, nobody looked up for it, I, th- I think Fitzy was lively a couple of times in the first half, he beat his man, um, but there was nobody on the end of his crosses, McEnroy had an off day, normally he's involved in everything, I, I can barely remember him touching the ball, so... That, that's a catalyst for it when one of the, the most creative players in your team can't really get on it and, and create anything. But obviously, uh, talking about the starting 11, I was happy when I seen the starting 11. Obviously, Xander McKenzie, he's, he's not a right back, but he, he fills in there. It's, McMillan's obviously a bit of a loss. And at the time, I was happy with that. And obviously, hindsight's a, a brilliant thing. But looking back now, I, I'd like to have seen Nguyenia start because the difference he made coming on at right back obviously 2-0, 3-0 down at that point, but it, it did make a difference, him and Adelaide linking up, so maybe it's um, food for thought, if Jack McMahon's going to be out for a, any sort of length of time, then it might be, I wouldn't be surprised seeing Gwenya start there next week, if that is the case. I think we'll have a chat about Xander McKenzie a bit later on, I think that's that's an, an interesting situation he's found himself in. I'll come to you, David, for your, for your taking the game first. No, I, I have to agree, nobody was at it on Saturday. It's, it's an odd one because, it, as I said, it was a collective failure. It wasn't like someone had an absolute stinker um, and, you know, letting a goal defensively or whatever. Everyone was just below par and we just weren't creating. It's been it's been a, bit, a while since we've had it, to be fair, but it felt like the Arbroath I'm used to when we played them. Obviously, last season, I think we they were the only team that we beat all four times, I think. It really felt like prime Gayfields, you know... Um, a really tough team digging in, you know, and making it life really, really difficult for us. And it was not seen in the last few games against Arbroath. And I think that we just, yeah, we just really struggled to play against it. Fair play to Arbroath. They, they absolutely deserve to win. And, you know, they had this figured out. But it's just, it does raise concerns about when we're figured out, do we have something there to switch it up? unlock the door because we didn't really seem to have anything there until we were about 3-0 down at which point it didn't really matter and it, it, it is a bit concerning but I think it is it was not really one player you can pin it on or, or two players in it was a collective everyone was just pretty rubbish I think your your reference to being able to unlock the door and things aren't going for us it's interesting David I'm beginning to get a little bit concerned about how we're playing when when teams come in and sort of sit back against us. And as you said, Jack, that Campbell set up both up really well. It wasn't like a, a park the bus job. They came in, they countered, and they did play some decent football when they had the ball. But when we had the ball, they did camp in. And I worry a little bit about the, the makeup of our midfield, I think, when when they 
the games like that. You look at Stanway and Bannigan, I think they're they've got really good attributes in sort of more defensive positions. I think Stanway's a bit better going forward than Bannigan is. And I look at McEnroy as well, and I really like McEnroy, but I'd say his strengths are more physically than technically. Whereas you look at last season's midfield, and I think Turner was more of a technical player and he could unlock defences. I think it, it helps unlocking defences when you've got Jack McMillan as well. I think he's he's a huge loss. I think we sort of found that and well, both of those factors were in playing the League Cup campaigns, playing teams that were sort of sitting in against us and not having Jack McMillan. And I think we do struggle in that situation. Jack, do you think there's anything we can do to sort of address that? Is there any sort of changes to the midfield or the rest of the team that, that could help us out when we're, we're playing teams who are sitting deep against us, do you think? Uh, I'm not, not sure. I'm not sure I'm thinking about what, what can we do to unlock these teams. I don't. I think what we're probably seeing is um, a kind of symptom of what we went through this summer. Unfortunately, and I hope I'm not going back to saying this every week of the season. Um, but we've just not replaced certain people um, in, in in certain positions. I think the biggest one we're missing. I know. I know you're more talking about trying to beat a kind of not a low block, but a team that was sitting against us. That I think was Doherty man, uh, who actually had had a, a bit of a hard time for some fans here. I just I don't think we've replaced them at all. And I think the closest option we've got to them is Ben Stanley, who in my opinion he's done fantastically well. Ben's actually a, a, a pal of me. Um, but can you expect a 19-year-old boy to step up in his first kind of breakthrough season professional football to deliver to the same level, the same consistency as a pro like Doherty, who was a captain? You know, hundreds of professional games under his belt. It's not realistic. Uh, and I hope I hope the fans are kind of wise to that as the season goes on. Because I think he's, he's played tremendously well up until Saturday there, where obviously he wasn't the only one that was, it was off the boil on Saturday. So yeah, I do just feel that what we're seeing is a result of the summer that we've had. And I don't think we had, obviously we've had the kind of financial issues that we're all too aware about. And some of the signings, I think like McEnroy, it's been quality. But I just, I don't think we've got the same level of team as what we had at the end of last season. And I think anybody that's trying to convince himself otherwise is maybe just just trying to make themselves feel better and still living in a you know, land of delusion, if you ask me. Well, how concerned are you about the rest of the season, Jack? Where where are your expectations at the moment? Have they altered at all since, say, July? I was a bit more pessimistic at the start of the season, if I'm honest with you. Uh, after, the, after the League Cup groups, man, uh, I didn't think we were very good in them at all, bar that night up at Tannadice. And even then, I thought we rode our luck a bit up there. I'm still expecting... I'm, I'm going to be happy, shoot me down here, if, if you know you've, you've got big ambitions for the season. But I'd be happy see if, if we're going to get that final final six games of the season or whatever it is that final oh sorry nine games the final quarter of the season um, we're still in touching distance of a, of a kind of hope of a playoff I don't think we can really ask for too much more than that because if you, you, know, when you look at budgets and things like that, I think we are, we are kind of consistent with a team that's probably going to be lower playoffs even kind of mid-table because obviously we've had, to, we've had to scale back the playing budget due to you know times going by don't want to dive into that <laughs> if we can be here all night I, I think you know touching distance at playoff as long as we've still got something to play for for like as long as possible. I don't think we could ask too much more of that. You know, it's the manager's first full season as well. So when you take all things into consideration, you lose the players that we lost. And we never had great resources to try and replace them. Um, I think I don't think we can ask for too much more than that, realistically. Rhys, what about you? I know we had, we had spoke at length at the start of the season about our expectations for the season. We were all sort of 
sort of cautiously optimistic, I would say, that we might get back into the playoffs. Are you still that optimistic? Do you, are you putting Saturday down as a blip or are you getting a bit concerned at the moment? At this moment in time, I've got to just put it down as a blip because going into that game, obviously, we were on a on a pretty good run and Arbroath themselves, they're on a good run. And you, you know what it's like? It's a tough league. And, da- and David said, we've seen Arbroath plenty of times in the past play against us and, and play to that effect and, and just nullify our threat, even when we've had a better side. Um, so I'm hoping that it's just a blip at the moment. But what, what Jack's saying is 100% true. If it comes to it and we're sitting, you know, going into the final quarter and you're sitting fifth or sixth and you're still in where a shot of playoffs, then ultimately that's probably where our budget does dictate us in this league. You know, look at sides like Dunfermline and stuff. Still early doors. The whole league can, can shift and obviously that's why we're going into a big game at the weekend against Dunfermline because one, one week they win, one week they lose and they are struggling for a bit of consistency, a bit like ourselves, to be honest. So it, it's a chance for us to... I mean, you look at it... If, a week's a long time in football and if, we, if we'd won against our broth there we'd be sitting pretty next to the top of the table and we're a wee bit of a cushion um, and you're talking about patch the playoffs we could maybe what challenged Dundee United for the league so it's it's only one game um, and obviously it can sway your, sway your opinion but I don't know I, I still like to think we'll be in, a, in and amongst the playoffs come the end of the season at least um, but I, very early days I'm not too worried just yet but if, if things were to carry on the way they were from Saturday and of course my, my opinion will change but right now I'm not panicking I agree with you Reese. If, if I was asked now with a gun to my head I would still back us to get into the top four I think you look at the three games before our growth when we beat Queen's Park Morton and Ayr and you wouldn't say we were at our very very best in any of those games but we still won those three games comfortably and I don't think we need to be at our very very best to pick up wins in this league it was a sort of common theme throughout last season as well where we were saying the standard of the league isn't great and despite the fact we have regressed, I think undeniably regressed from the last three months of last season, I still think we're we're a good enough side. We've got good enough players that we will be in and amongst the top four. I think as well where I've got confidence. I mentioned that I thought we struggled to break down low blocks. We struggled at the start of the season to sort of find a formula in midfield. I think Williamson was struggling in there, but then Doolin put Stanway in and he sort of found something that worked for a few games. I think Doolin is a manager that will adapt. Obviously, time will tell if he can work out a way to, to beat these teams. But you look at players like James Lyon on the bench and even guys like Wes McDonald who haven't got much of a chance, maybe Dylan will find a way to integrate these guys into the team. And I, th- I think we, we will sort of stumble across answers. Uh, it might not be easy on the eye. It might not be next week against Infermin. But I think with the players we've got and the signs that Chris Dillon's shown so far, I think we will stumble across something that we'll, we'll see as in amongst it uh, come the spring. David, I want to have a chat about Xander McKenzie, I think. I'm going to come back to Reese on this one as well, because we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. And I don't want to single um, anyone out for, for criticism. I'm not singling McKenzie out for criticism at all, because he's been impressive in the, the couple of months at the start of this season. But are you concerned that he's sort of found himself as, as the backup right-back? Because I know he was in the Scotland under-19 squad and he wasn't playing right-back. I don't think right-back's his natural position. But how concerned would you be for him that he's been not... Um, bookmarked as a right back but he seems to be the, the second choice there and he's not really getting an opportunity to show what he can do anywhere else in the pitch. It's it's an interesting one because we've had it previously you know with players, I mean like Kyle Turner I mean he played several games at right back last year I know we were quite hampered by injuries but he was playing at right back and Kyle Turner was obviously 
Um, he's playing out playing out in the wings um, in the first season with us. Like it is a weird thing of specifically with right back where we always end up with people like Shea Gordon and stuff like that um, ending not filling in at right back. It's it's very odd. I think Mackenzie's acquitted himself and he's done really well in that position up until this week. It, it's a difficult one because you don't want you don't want to not play there and then you're you're you are limiting the the chances that you're going to get. Whereas if you are playing it right back, you know you can you can learn in that position. Is this the time for him to be learning? Possibly, but I mean, I th- I think he can still do a job there. I don't think it's his natural position. I think there was people really quick to jump at. He's never a right back. He'll never do well there or anything like that. And to be honest, he's not he's not going to do well there because that's not his natural position. But I think that he's a perfectly good fill-in. I, I agree that we shouldn't really be relying on him as our sort of secondary right-back, just purely because it's not his primary position. But I don't know. I think people maybe have just seen the, the game and are maybe overreacting a little bit to how, how bad we were and you know trying to pinpoint stuff in there. So no, I'm not, I'm not overtly concerned because I think he does need to get games and I think he will get games. And I think he'll get games in, in both primary and his secondary position. But um, no, I, I think we can't be too fussy in terms of people playing in makeshift positions. But no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not too concerned about that myself. But I, I can understand why people would be. I'm going to come to you, Lisa. I think the only reason I'm a little bit concerned is you look at Ben Stanway. And I know Ben Stanway's a year or two older than Mackenzie, but Ben Stanway's flourishing and getting all the plaudits because he's playing in his natural position. And I think a, a youngster playing out of position and then having a bad time at like he did on Saturday. I don't think you want that to happen uh, more than once or twice. So, Reece, I know you said a couple of weeks ago that you weren't concerned that Mackenzie hadn't really nailed a, a position down. He was sort of used all over the pitch. Are you, are you still of that view, or would you like to see him just utilised in midfield from, from now on? I'm not concerned as such, but I, I, I don't think it's particularly fair on him either. He'll be happy that he's playing and getting minutes, of course, as a, as a young guy, but it, it's no great for him, let's be honest, is it? You're I mean, even last season, um, McCall brought him on for his, his debut, I think it might have been, or his second game or something like that, uh, against Dundee. And that game we ended up chucking 3-2 and he flung him on it right back. And that that hung him out to dry. But obviously he's learned to position a bit more and he's, and he's actually adapted pretty well to that position. But that that is the old adage, as you say. like You don't actually want to end up playing too well where that becomes your position. And it felt as if it was kind of going that way. Um, and then I, I think we're all realising again at the weekend that uh, this, this young boy isn't a right-back and he's doing a fine job playing there. But he needs help out there. And obviously he was on a yellow card and you could tell he was wanting to put a foot in and make a tackle and you can't. So he's just st- he ended up standing there and he knows that he can't get too close to him because the player will get his body in front of him. He doesn't know sort of like the... The, the intricacies and, and the sort of the experience to like do you know what I mean like to, to get his body in front of players as a right back and stuff to, to win those fills and, and get yourself up the park so he's he's just playing out, playing out of position and as you say last season he was sort of the the poster boy of the the young team the, the Fissel Weir coming into the, the team he was ahead of sort of Ben Stackley and James Lyon in the pecking order but I don't really see now how McKenzie gets back into midfield. Not to say that he's, he's not going to get back in. He's, he's just turned 18-year-old. But at, at this point in time, where does McKenzie get a start in the midfield? I don't really see it. So he, he's not going to be happy no playing at right-back. But 
I just, I, as you said, I don't think it's it's working out too well for him at the minute. I'd like to see him get a chance back in midfield at some point and, and show us what he can do from there. But I I think Nguyenia probably deserves a, a chance as the, the second choice right back. Jack, I'll come to you with a listener question. We'll go to the other end of the spectrum in terms of the ages in the team. Cathal uh, Lowe, I hope I pronounced that correctly, has asked, why does everyone point the finger at Banzo whenever we perform badly? I'm guessing this is in relation to Facebook posts, which I've definitely not read. But why do you think uh, Banzo does get scapegoated after after certain defeats? I know uh, you're a Stuart Bannigan fan like myself, Jack. So why do you think he does get targeted sometimes? First of all, cheers for coming to view this question because I say something that I'm passionate about. <laughs> I think the majority of people who, who have been involved in football, watch a lot of football, who I would have done is kind of understanding the game a bit more. You know, some fans understand the game a wee bit more than other fans. It doesn't make you a, big, a better fan or a bigger fan. It's just the way it is. I think you really need to value what, what Banzo does for us and what he has been doing for, for 10 full years now. Obviously, some of that was hampered with injury, fair enough. But why... Either it's, it's, it seems to it's the same reason I mentioned earlier about uh, Ross Dockery. Ross Dockery is also one of the best midfielders that I've seen at Thistle for years in the job that he done. Uh, he's one of those players that you only really notice the job that he does when he's not there and he leaves a big massive hole in the midfield. And I think he gets it tight um, because he's not he's not like, he's not a sexy footballer. He, he doesn't even pick the ball up in the touchline, take on two guys and and put the ball in the top corner and he's never going to that's not his game um, but the amount of times that he's stepped up in, in big moments and big games and, and how, how consistent he's been over the years I just think that people who perhaps don't kind of see football below, they, they take it kind of below face level if that makes sense then it doesn't look as if he does much but I think you know I think a fans who picked up a suspension or an injury especially in this team now the way he's kind of carrying this midfield with, with young Ben in, in beside him I think we'd really really notice the job that he does and the kind of the discipline that he brings to the team and, a, a, a positional discipline by the way you know yellow card wise we obviously know he's the most booked player in their history but um, I know that, that's right he's, he's just not a sexy footballer he's a, he's a great footballer but it's just it's just not sexy he's, he's known the highlight reels banging in goals and so I think that's why that he comes in for criticism and, and it, he's always the first name um, I, thought he, I thought he was terrible on Saturday but again so it so was so is everybody. So I, I think, I think that's why he comes in for so much criticism. I, I don't, but I think, I think it goes we got further than that as well. And I, I don't, I kind of put my finger on it. He's always, he's, he's the, this kind of scapegoat getting. Um, I know it looked at the start of the season as if it was going that way with Zira Williams, but it's been that way for uh, for Banzo for ages. And obviously that game that shall not be named probably didn't help Banzo's case. That's fair enough. But one, one bad game doesn't, doesn't negate ten years of incredible service that we've had from. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Jack. I think if if he was scoring three or four thirty yarders a season and getting on that highlight reel, like you say, he'd probably escape quite a lot of the criticism. It's just the position he plays. He's doing a lot of a lot of the dirty work and yeah, he's definitely an underappreciated player. A final word on Saturday, I was in hospitality on Saturday. I want to shout out Welshie. He is a very, very good hospitality host at a wordsmith and a poet. So we hope we'll get Welsh on in the next few weeks to, to give us a reading. And everyone in hospitality was in really good spirits despite the result on, on Saturday as well. It was, a, it was a good day. We're going to pause here and we're going to go across to Heather Holloway, who has caught up with some of our Hog Game 2 representatives about their weekend that has taken place at the home games against Infermen for the men's team on Saturday and on Sunday at Peters Hill. Thank you for introducing us, Matt. It is 
an honour to be presenting our first Her Game 2 segment on the Draw, Loser, Draw podcast. And I'm looking forward to discussing an exciting week that we have ahead and also just give a little bit of history and background to Her Game 2 at uh, Party Thistle and the exciting things that we have coming up. I am joined by um, some fantastic people who have been so influential and important uh, during this hashtag journey, you know, producing her game two at Thistle. I'm going to introduce them quickly. So I'm joined by Heather Wilson and Kirsten Fraser and Tally. And like any great host on Draw, Lose or Draw, I've got a few questions just to ask them um, to kind of break the ice before we get into talking about um, her game two at Fair Hill. So I'm going to start with Tally. I'm going to ask Tally, what is your fondest Thistle memory? I think my fondest Thistle memory is in like 2016, I think. We had like a snowball fight against Dundee, like the fans it was just like really snowy and I don't think I watched like a second of the game, but we were just like everyone, the atmosphere was really good and everyone was just like chucking snowballs. It was so fun. It was a good game. That sounds brilliant. Absolutely. The kind of thing that we love at, um, at, at Thistle is not concentrating on the football that's on the park and instead just having a great time. I love that. So Heather, bit confusing having both of us on this podcast but I, I, we know who, we know who we're talking to I'm going to ask what your favorite player interaction has been over the years as I know you have great stories <laughs> here's hoping this is a good one I was thinking about player interaction but I'm going to change it I'm going to change it to a manager interaction and it has to be John Lambie so I think it was in 2004 we went on a pre-season tour of Northern Ireland and me and my pals ended up in the same hotel as the players and the, the team. And after the game one night, we all ended up in the hotel bar. And I sat down beside John Lambie, who was drinking a bottle of Jameson from under the table because he was refusing to pay the fucking extortionate prices in the bar, as his words were. And he said, what are you having? I said, well, I'm drinking whiskey as well. And he says, here, Dan, just you drink mine as well. And um, so, yeah, I was sharing whiskey from under a table in Hilton and Temple Patrick with John Lambie which is quite a cool story. I absolutely love that the jealousy level is high and we all love a John Lambie story and finally to round off our uh, panel this week we have Kirsten. Kirsten in a draw as a draw tradition I'm going to ask you two questions actually. Firstly how many bites does it take you to eat a cream egg and secondly what's your favourite conspiracy theory? Everyone else got such normal questions. I'm slightly offended. Um, you'd actually have to probably pay me about £100,000 to eat a cream egg. So for that reason, I would probably say two because I'd be trying to get it over as quickly as possible. They really weird me out. I saw a video about 10 years ago of lots of ants crawling out of a cream egg and they just, they just stressed me out. And my favourite conspiracy theory... Um, Actually, a bit of a mismatch in my character, not a massive conspiracy theorist. I like the, I admire some conspiracy theories. So I admire the Avril Lavigne Melissa conspiracy theory. I admire the whole um, Disney kids being microchipped and then losing the rag every seven years. I admire the work that's went into them. But I don't really believe them, but I can, I can admire the grind. 
Absolutely. That was a superb answer. Oh, that, that's put me off cream eggs for life, to be honest. I was just hoping you'd give us stranger answers. Oh, I thought I was hoping you'd give a stranger answer. So I would finally live down the fact I said five bites. But um, I think I'm still <laughs> gonna be, I think I'm still going to be paying for that. So the purpose of having this chat right now is just to talk about her game to um, at Fair Hill and Peter's Hill and just the importance of it. So I'm just going to do a really quick chat just about what Her Game 2 is for people who are not sure. Her Game 2 is um, a campaign that initially started in England and they have not just for football, but other sports as well. It's a campaign that is involved in include in really supporting positive change in football and, wider, and the wider sporting world to raise awareness and educate people about inclusivity and diversity in football and, and other wider sports too. And I think the big thing that um, the big purpose that I got involved with it from a party thistle point of view was it's to create a safe, welcoming environment, regardless of anyone's background, race, gender, ability. And um, and that's a real a real focus that I think, you know, we talk about being a community club and um, and having the people at the heart. And I do think that Her Game 2 is a really great thing to have established here to make sure that you know, we are welcoming to um the the females in our in our support and um and have a place that they feel that they feel safe and, and welcome in. And also for me, so why I got involved in her game too originally, we've we've spoken plenty of times on Drawlers or Draw and wider areas about things that happened off the field last season. And while there was maybe some not so positive things that happened over last season, one of the greatest things was me reaching out with Heather Wilson and contacting her game too about a few things that were happening online. But I'm so glad that we did because from something that was maybe a negative at the time, it's turned into such a massive positive. But it's created so many great friendships um, through our support with female fans, but also out with, you know, um, Eve and Kaz have been extremely supportive from Her Game 2 HQ. And um, it's been great to build those relationships and just see, you know, the sky's the limit for for reaching out to people and encouraging young girls and um, and just young people in general to to enjoy the club that, that we love. Um, and as her game to ambassador, my role is in many ways just to kind of be a friendly face and approachable and be that liaison, that person in between the the club and and the fans and be able to, you know, put on things like we're doing this weekend that can celebrate and make sure that people feel welcome and included in this partnership, but also that the club feels like something that they are a part of and something they can be proud of. Um, I think that's enough for me, to be honest. So I'm just going to ask a few of my panel some questions. Again, sorry, Kirsten, you've probably got a tricky question, but I, I was going to ask you some of the things that we as Her Game 2 have achieved so far and why you think it's really important to have Party Thistle associated with Her Game 2. That's actually a much easier question to answer than anything to do with a pre-meg. Um, we've achieved a lot so far. It might not always always look like it, but we're kind of buzzing around in the background. So in our first season of being partnered with Her Game 2, we've had our dedicated fixture. That was back in March. We've introduced free sanitary products into the toilets at Hill, which is something we're really proud of and the club are really keen to continue as well. We've also partnered with Glasgow and Clyde Rape Crisis for our club and our youth academy to be engaged in their fair play initiative. So that initiative delivers 
bystander training and kind of first responder training all in the area of gender-based violence to people in sport. That's really important to us at Her Game too in overcoming the symptoms and everything that comes with rape culture and everything that comes with sexism in sport. Um, And we think that tackling it, obviously, from our fans, from anything that goes on in the club and also going right down to our youth academy is really important to us as well. Um, We've had some really positive conversations with people at the club and they totally agree that any export from the Thistleware Youth Academy should be obviously excellent at football, but excellent to have at a club. So I think it's something that's became really important to us to have everybody trained in that and to let people leave for Hill um, with even better knowledge of how to be behaving and how to be calling things out. I think it's really important for that reason. I think the intention um, behind all these things has always been present at Hill, but we maybe just needed the vehicle of our game to, to mobilise it a bit more and to drive it forward and to also keep us accountable as well. We need to have a dedicated fixture to have this partnership. We need to be on that timeline. So I think it's been a really good driving force behind it, definitely. Thank you, Kirsten. That is so important. And um, we are so thankful to the people who came out and supported us in March and through our kind of first half season and just really excited to see what will come in the future. I'm going to ask Heather. Heather, now I know you are involved in quite a few things at Fairhill, like Jags for Good and things, but why was her game too something that you wanted to be part of or that you thought was important? And what impact do you think it might have in the future for us at Fairhill? Initially, I've got involved as I'm a woman and I enjoy going to see Thistle. Secondly, I'm a mum to a teenage girl and I want football to be a safe space for her and everyone else that goes, not just women. Um, and specifically helping out on the 30th and on the 1st is to do with my role as a Jags for Good volunteer. We're hoping to raise funds for a rape crisis and the past year we've been raising um, money for the Northwest Food Bank and the Baby Bank and Thistle fans have been incredibly generous and I feel that they can come out in force again on Saturday and Sunday next weekend and you know put their hands in their pockets and do incredibly well for for great crisis. In the future I think it's just been continuing to be part of that community, being an inclusive club been a safe place and something I'm noticing is people are wearing their hard game to badges with pride they're coming up and asking me sometimes when I'm doing a bucket collection you'll maybe see me on Mount Parland Way on the, the south end approach to the Jackie husband stand and I gave out some badges earlier and some are asking and I've told them oh, I'll be back next weekend with some badges um, and again seeing some of the younger men in our support calling out certain songs that we've used to sing calling out you know chants or anything like that that's been an incredible step and I think part of that is having such a vocal group in, in their cells and um, you know working with her game too and they're becoming more and more aware of it so it's, it's something I'm really proud to be part of 
Thank you, Heather. I think you've put that perfectly there. Just um, I do feel in so many ways that we are, you can almost see our support growing. And I don't just mean that in numbers, but just in the way that we act around each other, the friendships that we're making, but also the way that we are there to support each other no matter what. And making sure that we're all there for each other is something that is extremely important. Tally, I'm going to ask you just about maybe what it's like, uh, like, you know, we've all grown up being Thistle fans, but just like what it was like growing up as a Thistle fan for you and maybe how you maybe see in the future that having the Her Game 2 partnership might even like change some of the ways that you think going to the football might be for us and for other young girls? I mean, I grew up and I always went to the football, like I would go with my dad always and like we would go meet his friends in the pub or whatever before, but it was always like something I did with him. And then, you know, teenagers love to not do things with their parents and like love to just like muck about with their friends or whatever. And I think that it was like, that's the main thing I think is like at that point where it's like, kids like especially girls want to go from spending time with their parents and like that's something that they can still do with their parents but there are like other people that they can go with and I think like when I was younger it just seemed like it was all just like this like group of boys or it was going with my dad and I would rather go with my dad than like just be like just me with a group of boys and I think that now like it feels like there's a safer space going alone especially like if my dad wasn't going to a game that's like the main thing I think yeah definitely Tally I totally agree as someone who also has grown up going like I I absolutely love going with my dad and uh, and we have such special fun memories but there's this really special thing now about being able to go with a group of females and feel like that we're part of this and it's not that we look strange or or not welcome that we are that we are part like you know we're thistle fans you know I think sometimes that men men and boys don't really realize how lucky or easy they have it in some ways at the football because they are always the majority and um, and it has been lovely over this you know this time creating these friendships and connections that we have that we now have that safe space to be able to communicate with each other and go with each other and plan to meet each other before and it really it really has become special and I really would say that if there's anyone listening who's thinking you know I'd really love to come to the football and um and I don't really know who to go with and things the four of us here are quite friendly and um, we'd happily meet you or see you beforehand as Heather said she is a almost a permanent fixture on McParland Way but you know we're so welcoming and inclusive and open to supporting people coming back to the football maybe past, since Covid and things but also just if you want a cheery friendly face who's going to be maybe overly positive about how great this will are then um, you've come to the you've come to the right place and that we that we really encourage anyone who would like to come along with us and you are more more than welcome. Kirsten, I'm going to come to you and just to see some ways, and I think maybe leading on from what I've said, ways to get in touch with us, how to get involved, a few plans for the future. And if you can cover that, that's okay. Yeah, of course. Just following on from what Heather has said, we are all really friendly. I'm a Libra, so you will have a great time. And I don't let anyone forget that. Um, if you do want to get involved and you do want someone to come along with you on match days on our Instagram page under match days, there's a highlight of how you can kind of get in touch with us. We have 
her game two volunteers are all different ages so I mean if a Libra isn't your thing we will find you somebody that suits your suits your day out a bit better other than that we're more than happy to have any volunteers around us for the big events that we plan so we'll have a dedicated fixture each season we'll branch out as well we're, we're trying on ideas like her game two hospitality and things there'll be loads of different opportunities to get involved but I suppose the most important and most consistent one for us is our male fans being able to call out behaviour that is below what the acceptable standard would be. As the girls have said, we've found that over the last year there has been such a change. People feel able to call it out. They feel proud of themselves when they do. Heather and I, and Heather Wilson actually in Munns, get such a wee thrill when we get a story about, oh, they started singing Mary from Mary Hill, but I stopped them. Um, there's a There's a real unanimous feeling of pride there. So yeah, there's loads of different ways to get involved in the actual events themselves, but the best way to be involved in the initiative is to be an active bystander, call behaviour out, even if it's difficult, or even if you're not sure how to ask us. There's plenty of training opportunities that we can involve you in. There's plenty of difficult conversations that we can have with people as well. So yeah, loads of different ways to be involved and you can also just wear a badge if that's if that's all you want to do. You're more than welcome to just do that. Absolutely. And I'm going to embarrass her a bit, but Kirsten is um, absolutely incredible at handling a lot of our social media. And she has created some really great safe spaces for people to be able to communicate with us at her game too. So there um, we have um, a link tree, which links you straight to being able to emailing us on our Gmail account, but also to be able to get in contact through Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. I shouldn't have made that up. I don't think we have a Facebook, but hey, who knows uh, who's on Facebook? We don't. It's archaic. It's actually archaic. We don't. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's there's so many ways to get in touch and involved. And I'm sure there's some of you thinking I've got some great ideas and we we absolutely welcome them. We're we're new to this as well. And we are excited to hear from, from everyone and anyone about what we could do. And I think also as the girls have really highlighted here that it's not about gender so we welcome having male influence in this and and it has been great to to have so much support from them um, openly on social media but also just in the stands like the smiles the waves the thumbs up the badges and it, it does mean it does mean a lot to us I'm just going to do a little breakdown of the weekend that's coming up and I'm sure some of you listening have probably seen us posting quite a lot on social media this week and the club and supporting that. So we are having a Her Game 2 weekend, 30th of September and the 1st of October. Firstly, the, the men's game, we are playing against Infirmland at home. The Aitken Suite opens from 12 o'clock and you are welcome. We will be there. We will have a section of the Aitken Suite open. There will be some goodies some freebies to and also we're just going to encouraging a chat a social time there'll be people with her game two tops on and thistle tops on but everyone is welcome just to come along hear a little bit more and just show your open support for the partnership we will then have the uh, some of the women's team coming along to promote and be able to meet them. Obviously, Brian Graham has done such an incredible job with the women's team, with incredible support from Caroline Mackey and the women's team board. They've been so supportive of promoting this partnership, wearing their badges and and sharing us on social media, which we so appreciate. So they're coming along to do a little bit of a meet and greet beforehand, which is great for those of us who enjoy 
the, the, the Rangers chat, we also have a face painter, which I, I promise you we've paid. For those of you who really would love to get your faces covered red, yellow and black before the game, or if you're just wanting a more subtle Kingsley or a Thistle, then please come along. And but also all children are welcome, especially and not just girls, you know, we if anyone is welcome for that. And then there'll be a few chances to have some photos and things. We, we're going to have our mascots coming out and there'll be um some entertainment at halftime for our mascots and for all the crowd and then afterwards we will be having a social time um back in the Aitken suite with um meeting some players hopefully Chris Doolan will be coming out and talking about a win after what a tragic a tragic time at Fairhill uh, on Saturday and then we also have got a busker who Chris and assures me knows wagon wheel but um it will just be a really fun vibe so if any of that sounds like something you'd like to be involved in and be part of then please do please do come along I want to let Kristen come in before I then talk about Peters Hill I'm just so offended that you missed out this Heather that I have become a glitter tattoo extraordinaire and that there'll be plenty of glitter tattoos available to any little kids or fully grown adults that would like some I did forget that new string on your bow. Yes, absolutely. Kirsten Fraser will be available for all, all glitter tattoos. And if you also want to suggest her next tattoo, then I'm sure she's more than willing to to take your 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 request. I can't get any worse than the ones that are already there, to be honest. So <laughs> like any suggestions, welcome. <laughs> Uh, thankfully, Kirsten, Heather and I, in some ways, um, obviously, I, I, I was saying to uh, everyone on our little group chat that the last time the four of us together was uh, the dreaded D word, Dingwall. And um, and life, life has definitely got better for us since. But the one great thing that came out of Dingwall is the fact that we do not have a KD9 tattoo or on our person so small wins, small wins. So we also have got dedicated picture for the women's team which will be at Peters Hill there is a change of the timing it is at 4 p.m we just welcome all who are available the food at Peters Hill is absolutely incredible if none of the things that we have talked about already interest you the food is superb but also the women's team are doing so well really hope they can get top six again this season Cara Henderson playing um, number nine and potentially scoring more goals than Brian Graham always enjoyable to see but also There'll be lots of freebies and stickers, some face painting again, and just a really great day out for the family. And we'll welcome we welcome anyone who'd like to come along. And you can bring your dog. So that might be a thrill for some of you. I'm just going to ask Tally and Heather, after hearing all those incredible things, some a few things that you're most excited for. So I'll ask you first, Heather. So I'm not going to lie. One of the things I'm really looking forward to is Mrs. Holloway's tablet. Joyce's tablet's magnificent. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But um, as always, I'm looking forward to chatting to folk, just building on the community that we're building on and speaking to people on the South Drive while I'm doing the collection. I'll be missing out on a lot of the fun that's happening before the game and the Aitken Suite. So please come and see me round to the other side if you can. Absolutely, Heather. That was, was I'm Joyce will really appreciate that, but also... She, she's so right to highlight that if you do have loose change and things to donate please do remember to to bring that along and tally what are you now i i will say that tally we you've been adventuring this summer and i know occasionally your hard game two badges made it into a few pictures of your rucksack and things but 
I know you've been away from, from us for quite a while. So what are you most looking forward to your whole day, but also something in particular? Yeah, I'm I it's so exciting because I haven't been to Fair Hill in like so long, like month. And I'm so looking forward to seeing everyone and just like the atmosphere that comes with the games in general. But I feel like this dedicated fixture will be like a lot of fun. And the the women's game as well. I've only been to a couple of women's games. Um and they're always a lot of fun. So I'm really excited for that too, just to like see everyone and atmosphere. Absolutely. I think we're so lucky to have the the atmosphere that naturally comes with the great people that support our club, but also just the inclusivity that that we feel from our from the support is is so important. Um, so I think we're going to round off there. So just, just just to highlight, please do come along. Maybe have a little bit of change if you to be able to donate to the incredible organisation that we are raising money for. But also just come along with your conversations, have an open mind for learning about her game too, and have a space on your on your top for for a badge. But also, I know that some people get quite funny about putting holes in their t-shirts. So we have listened to to the masses and we have a thousand stickers you can de- you can have a her game two sticker if that is more your vibe and um, i'm gonna fi- finish with a kind of overall question and not really a part of sizzle so i do apologize matt but if you could change one thing at fur hill what would it be and i'll start with kirsten if i could change one thing at fur hill i mean there's a lot of things but if we're talking about fur hill physically I'm going to say the most vain thing in the world and say mirrors in the toilets. But if we're talking about for Hill, more socially, I suppose, and given the events in recent times, I would maybe suggest um, the renaming of our hospitality suite. And I shall say no more. Well, very well put. Tally, what would is there anything that you would either physically or I don't know socially or emotionally change about Fur Hill? I completely agree about the mirrors and toilets. That would be really great. Um, physically, I'm not sure socially. Just I feel like there's a few things that are like starting to change. That just like in general way that the especially like male fans treat like the women fan there's female fans that go and I do think it's like starting to change yeah definitely I think hopefully through the awareness of her game too people are just a bit more aware of their actions um th- throughout the th- throughout being at Fur Hill. Heather what's something that you would change? So me being the the social justice warrior that I am working with Jags for Good um I would love Fur Hill to be more friendly for people with all sorts of disabilities. I understand the constraints that we have with that financially and the type of building that it is. Um, And also football being cheaper, generally, not just at Fur Hill, but football being cheaper for everyone um, because it's becoming a very expensive sport to follow. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think all of us have felt that in this past wee while that, you know, it's not just like a a, a day out. It's not just a, a like, in, and, and I mean, £20 note is even 
expensive funeral but it's it's not just a, it's not a cheap day out and if you want to be social and be part of things it can it really can creep up and um, for me one of the things that I'd like to physically change about Fair Hill apart from Chris and I had earlier conversations about the that one toilet in the John Lambie stand that doesn't shut and um, also for me I think we've got such an incredible women's team and um and a great youth set up um in the academy and I love the murals that go on at Fair Hill and I think it would be really lovely to have some pictures and dedicated bits for not just the men's team but also have that reflected at Fur Hill. I know that the girls don't play at Fur Hill um, often but it would be something special and something that I think would would make a mark in some people's minds the fact that they're there. Um, so thank you so much to Kirsten, Heather and Tally for joining me and thank you so much for listening. I really hope you didn't skip through and um, we look forward to seeing you um, soon please do feel free to get in touch through Drawlers or Draw if you don't follow us already on Her Game 2 and I'm sure Matt and David will signpost you towards me. And if you have any questions, any ideas, anything at all that you'd like to talk about, then please do get in touch with us through our Gmail or through our social media accounts. We are or just come and bump into us at the Aiken Suite. We are, um, we've got, you know, excited hearts and open ears and just excited to make connections <clears throat> with new people as as the season goes on thank you so much and um i hope you enjoy listening to the rest of the podcast thank you we'll have a look ahead to the dunferman game on saturday now david what sort of game are you expecting at for how do you expect us to have a lot of the ball or do you think it'll be more of a an end-to-end game it, it, it's a bit difficult to kind of gauge it i think we, we usually would put hang our hat on end-to-end games and lots of chances and us getting up there um, and, and making something, but after um, after our broth on Saturday, when we, we had such an abject performance, you, you just want to see a reaction. Um, to be honest, um, I think that we will trial our usual game plan, and it will probably will be a bit more end to end than than the our broth one was. I can see it if it's not going our way, we we do end up hogging a lot of the ball and not really doing much with it. I want us to kind of come out and be, be, have to show a bit of urgency early on, maybe try and get an early goal, uh, settle the nerves, because I think the longer it will go on, the the more of a grind it will get. And we, we, you, you want to try and just dispel the the ghosts of Arbroath straight away. So, yeah, I'm hoping that Arbroath was just a blip and it was just your your usual sort of Dick Campbell Arbroath game. But I, I'm, I think I think that we can still win it. I think there's anything stopping us from winning it, um, apart from ourselves, famous last words. Reese, we've obviously got fingers crossed that Jack McMillan will be back on Saturday. Is there anyone else you'd like to see get a, a chance in the, the starting lineup? Uh, not at the moment. I'd probably keep things the same, obviously, barring uh, Jack McMillan back to full fitness. I hope I hope he's back. If not, then I'd probably just in Gwenya instead of McKenzie. That would be the only change. But um, I, I'm, I'm hoping to keep the team the same. In terms of the, the game... I, I don't really know about Dunfermline this season yet. They're, Dunfermline, they're awkward at the best of times. Like even, see when Dunfermline are romping through the leagues, they're, they're always, there's something about Dunfermline that always know it's going to be a hard game. Even if even when Dunfermline were, were floating about at the bottom of the championship, the financial bother, we'd won the league. They still came to Fur Hill and they were winning 3-1 in the 90th minute and we somehow got a draw that day. So 
even at their worst, Dunfermline will be a tough a tough opponent. The year they got relegated, they, they put four past us at Fur Hill uh, that night. Stephen Law, uh, sorry, at East End Park, Stephen Law has tore us apart. So uh, they're, they're, they're a difficult one, um, and I don't really know. I, I don't think they've got, I don't really think they've got going this season because I was I was expecting them to, to be right up for it. You know, a winning team. They've done well in League One last year. Their defence was pretty formidable. Benedictus is always pretty good against us, so no doubt he'll be up for it as well. Probably score a penalty or something. I'm expecting a tough game. I don't really think there'll be goal scorer in this one. I'll come to Jack uh, for, for his little preview. And Jack, you can kick us off with that prediction since you're the guest as well. Yeah, cheers. Um, I've, before I predict, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to Saturday. Where, I mean, we've all been Thistle fans long enough. Yeah, I, I, I popped it home with a broth. Um, it's not the end of the world. Things has happened. Uh, I think what we alluded to at the start of the podcast about the way our broth set up really did cause us problems. I see. I don't see the, the game itself being remote or the same. I think the family will fancy themselves. They'll maybe smell a bit of blood um, from the result on Saturday. And I think they'll come out and, and attack us. And I think that might suit us. We know that we can't be any worse than we were last week. So things can only improve. Uh, I think Saturday will be a 2 2 draw. I think there, there probably will be goals, just for the reason that I think the Fermanagh are going to come and attack us. How confident am I that we're going to, we can keep them out? <laughs> no very. But I do think if they come and attack us and leave spaces for us to exploit, I expect a better performance for you know, year long season, fit season that next week. And Graham as well, I don't think he can, he can put in a much worse show than what he did on Saturday. So the, these boys have got something to prove, and I think, you know, I, I think they'll, they'll know that next week that they're under a bit of pressure to turn up. After it was a wee bit of an embarrassing day this afternoon. I actually agree with you, Jack, in terms of what the game's going to be like. I think it will be a sort of high high tempo and, and energetic affair. I think it might be a little bit similar to the sort of Morton and Air Away games. That sort of scrappy but quite entertaining. And I, I think that does suit the sort of the profile of the players we've got. I think guys like McEnroy and Milne and Fitzpatrick can sort of thrive in games like that. So I, I'll back us to 1-2-1. One, one. I'll, I'll go one better than you, Jack. I'll back us to 1-2-1. One, Reese, you're, you're tied at the top with me in the predictions table. I'll come to you next for your score. I'm going to change it up this week. Um, I'm actually going to predict a, a reverse of the, the cup game from last season. I think we'll draw one each with them. Um, not an ideal result, but I just think we'll have a wee bit of a, a hangover for the Arbroath game. Like Jack says, I, I do think that Dunfermline will probably be up for it. Um, but I think the, the points will be shared between the both years. Uh, like I say, I, I just I just really don't know about them filming this season. I'll need to see them in the flesh before I can make my mind up on them. So I'm going to say a draw at the minute. And David, you're struggling in the table. A prediction from you? I'll go three to Thistle. Um, however, I would just like to say I'm not having um, a reverse of a draw um, being a draw. That's I'm not I'm not having that. that that's not how it works. Um, but three to Jags. Maybe we could fill the, the football cliches gap in the market there, David, with a, a sister pod. Absolutely. Maybe that's where we'll go. Before we go on to Partridge Thistle, does anybody have anything to say about anything that was said about Anton Dowds or Chris Dolan on Facebook in the last 72 hours? I, I'm happy to pipe up because I, I don't really care. I, I don't have a reputation to protect. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy to, to pipe up a little bit. Nothing bad. Nothing bad. Well, you know what I mean. Yes, please. Okay. I'll go after you, David. Uh, I'll I'll try I'll try and keep it diplomatic to be fair. Um, please, please don't. Nobody's here for that. <laughs> I don't know. It just looks like a, a quite a bad look if you're an agent to be going. Thank God I don't have I don't have to deal with a this manager. I.e. the manager that you still have two people 
who are still signed to that team. And also, I mean, I, I, I said this to someone else. Imagine if you were like a Celtic fan and somebody run a photo message board, turned around and says, thank God I don't have to deal with Henrik Larsson. Like that, that's that's the sort of level of comparison of what you you just would not do that if you were like a Celtic fan agent. You wouldn't just go out and like badmouth Henrik Larson. And it's the same idea with, with Dylan. Dylan is like, I mean, he was number one in our top ten last week. We all waxed lyrical about him. He is unreservedly seen as an amazing player. But it, it's just one of those like, why would you do that? I just, I just, I just don't get. It. I just don't get it. <laughs> You say it's not something a Thistle fan would do. This isn't the first thing a Thistle fan wouldn't do that this so-called Thistle fan has done, David. So it's it's not surprising. Um, no, that's true. Um, <laughs> Jack? Yeah, so a couple of things on it, man. Now, before, also before I go on, I don't know this guy personally. I don't know an awful lot about him. The only reason I do know who he is is because of all the kind of previous stuff that kind of went on and um, certain people get served up some legal threats and stuff like that. Um, but it really calls into question for me like, how much of a Thistle fan can you possibly be if, you know, quite pally with Jackie Lowe, but Chris Dillon's where you draw the lines? Is that not like the most upside down thing that you can possibly ever imagine? I don't understand it. And it, well, there's certain things in life I see that's quite a lot. There's no, there's no point even trying to get your head around it because you're never going to be able to. So just leave it as it is. It's a fire Stephen Shite, man. That, and do, do you know what? I, I like dudes, man. Not as a football player, obviously, because he wasn't very good. But I've always, I thought, especially in the, the kind of first half of last season, he was always coming off the bench. He was always behind game, always coming off the bench, always put, put in a shift and looked as if he was really kind of trying to, to get it. Obviously, the lack of game time and all that um, kind of undoes that a wee bit. But I just, I can't imagine, I, I wonder how Anton Dowd feels about it. Because you know, I'd be embarrassed if somebody I was affiliated with behaving like that online. Um, I don't know what time it was posted. Maybe it was after a few drinks or something. Um, that's the only explanation. I don't know. I don't know if it's still up or not. But it's just totally baffling. Um, and I think the, the personnel that you know, this guy's kind of aligned himself with before the fact that he talks about easily the biggest fist legend in my lifetime. Anyway, I don't see anyone ever talking to him before I before I go to talk about him like that. And the fact that you know you, you can't align yourself with Chris Dillon because he's football managerial decisions, but you'll happily kind of be snug with people that nearly wipe the club off the face of the earth. Aye, I'd, I'd like to hear that question asked, but I don't think we will. Reese, anything to add? No, just just reiterating what the guys have said. I just think it's wholly unprofessional from from an agent. You know what I mean? First and foremost, he's a Fissel fan and he's out like as you have said, slaughtering. Potentially one of the greatest ever, not just greatest ever footballer, just greatest ever people that our club has had affiliated with it, and he's out saying he's a bad guy, and he was like not even not even in football in terms because someone said something like, like you can't expect him to start over um, Graham being the captain and obviously Adeloy's playing well. And he's like this is more than football in terms of the way he's treated him and stuff like, which I, I don't know the inside outs of it, but I, I struggle to believe. Fair enough. Like obviously there was problems with McCall and stuff, but I just I don't believe that about Dylan for a minute. And like I said, it's just really unprofessional from an agent. Like Harry Milne and David Mitchell are still in our books. Harry Milne's just signed an extension with us, and it it makes it awkward for him now. It's just, it's just a really awkward predicament for for the the players that are still on his books and still at Thistle. Like how do they go about things? How do they potentially negotiate new contracts if if he's out? 
spread and sort of stuff like that. How does Mitchell sort of get back in the team? If if Doolin was to take that personally, which I, I'm not saying he will, and I actually don't think he would, but you know that some managers would be like, well, your agent's out here bad-mouthing me, so you can get yourself to fuck, basically. Um, but I, I just think it's, it's a really bad look, and I don't really understand the motive behind it. Anton Dowd had, had sort of went and scored a goal last night, and I don't think any Fissel fan was slagged him. I think we were all like, you know what, good on you. I hope you go and do well there. I hope you go and score goals. And I don't necessarily think he'll be back at Fissel, but you never know if he went and scored 20 goals or something. We could maybe have a discussion in the summer, but it's not what he needs either. He doesn't need to go and get his first goal for another team. Then people just, his own agent, making a rod for his own back. So I, I, I don't really understand <laughs> the motive behind that post at all it's a strange one uh, you've touched on what I was going to say Reese, about Milne and Mitchell still being on the books if if Dowds was his last client at Thistle we probably wouldn't be talking about it at all we'd probably just have a, a chuckle in a group chat or something about it and go oh, look at that guy but the fact that Milne and, and Milne signed a new contract really recently as well over the summer so how how bad was it that he was willing to negotiate that for Harry Milne uh, anyway I'm, I'm just surprised that on his website, it's the football agency you can trust, and that has not been asked to this by, apart from when I've had a few drinks and log into Facebook on Friday night. Uh, Reese, I'll come to you on Partridge Thistle first, because we, uh, I know you're needing to boost Partridge Thistle today, is if you could relocate a championship club to another part of Scotland, who would you pick and where would you put them? And you can be malicious to somebody that you don't like, or you can be selfish and plan a decent away day here. Well, See, if you asked me this last season, I'd have definitely had an answer because there's some tweaks that I would like to make to the likes of Cove Rangers because it's it's half a good away day. It's, it's trying to get you up to that that area of good away days, but it's just in, in the middle of nowhere. It's a bit of a dump. And same can be said for like the likes of Hamilton, do you know what I mean? Like, it's Hamilton. Um, and I think that sort of carries over to Airdrie. Like, obviously, Airdrie away, it had the, the connotations that it'll be a good away day because it's Airdrie. It's no. It, there was nothing good about that away day. A lot of people avoided even going. There's the transport links aren't exactly brilliant. Uh, I, I just drove to the game. There's not there's not too many games that I dr- drive to, but I drove to that one. Um, didn't really enjoy it. So it's probably that would Edinburgh would be the one that would move. Where I move it to, I don't really know. Um, obviously, we've got the likes of Inverness up north and stuff. Uh, I miss I miss the old Queen of the South being in the championship. Obviously, getting to go down. Uh, down the way, down. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know where I'd move them to. Um, you know what? I, completely unrelated to football, but I was in North Berwick yesterday, and I feel like that would be an amazing place for an away day because obviously you've got sort of the the Edinburghness about it. Obviously, you drive towards Edinburgh, and it's got the coastalness of the of the seaside. So I think I think David Forrest particularly would lap that one up. You know what I mean? With a sort of it's got the similarities with Abrov. So I, I'd move I'd move Hedry to North Berwick or something. Get them away. <laughs> Jack, any thoughts on this one? No, going to lie, I actually struggled with this a wee bit. Um, however, I'm just going to air a bit of personal grievance here and we so, we so laugh here because I, I became uh, quite known for this really random hatred. Uh, I would take the Barton Football Club and put them in the Shetland Islands <laughs> to, to, to put them through as much, as much misery as possible. I've got this really... Like it's it's unfounded uh, hatred. It's not not for any particular reason. Um, in fact, I think it actually might be the, the closest team to me in like the the forty two being in Clybank. But it's just everything. They've they've never had a nice kit. 
Our stadium's horrendous, and it gets loaded up with this. Oh, who's scenic? This the fuck off, mate. Look at the state of the place, man. Like the, the, the park's like all hilly in that corner. It's got one stand. It's always freezing, no matter what time of year it is. And they've just been nothing but an annoyance. Obviously, recently in the league one season, I don't really cause us any bother, but it was a place that every time you seem to go, you never couldn't get a result either. Do you know what? Just take them and the, the most northern point in Shetland, get them as far away from me as possible and just cause a lot of general pain at the club and the supporters. <laughs> David, any advances on that? Um, I was quite surprised. I thought we were getting an Airdrie clean sweep here. Um, we, we actually get told off for being disparaging about Airdrie and falling into stereotypes. I'm going to avoid the usual Airdrie shithole chat, but I would definitely be moving Airdrie. Rothsey sounds good, but then again, I think Oban. I think I maybe just send them to Oban for a good away day. Um, I think that, that would be good. I'd, I'd like to go to Oban for an away day if, if I couldn't get Rothsey. Somewhere, like a, a, a Calmac ferry away would be good. So... I like that. I've got another pitch for you, David. I'm going to move Inverness to Dalwini. So you've still got a trip to the Highlands, but like it, it's an hour less. It's also like next to the distillery, you can get arguably the best morning roll in, in Scotland at that little that little cafe. Inverness is in the middle of an industrial estate. It's horrible. So you're saving two hours out of your day, but you're still getting the sort of Highlands away day, but with a bit of added culture as well. David, again on that? Dougie Emery's Dalwini, Caledonian Thistle. Absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Um, that, was a, that was a belter, mate, to be fair. You know, that, that, that's spot on, because I feel as if like, we're guaranteed Inverness four times a year. I think when they got relegated to the Premier League, I think we came down the next year. So we, we only had like one season, I think, of the Inverness. And it, it does feel like Groundhog Day, man. And the no, only no saving grace this season, hopefully it's not going to be a Friday night. But I think not what David said as well, that area of the country in the, in the West, Kind of, you know, the kind of Western Highlands. I don't even know if open kind of counts is up there, but I think they're they're really missing like a professional club, like a good away day. I think it'd be good to have, have one to go up to in the West of Scotland. I was speaking to Ian McKinnon on Saturday, and he was talking about um the the o one o two season uh, or the, the one we won the, the first division um and uh, we played Inverness seven times that year. <laughs> I think we played them four times. Inverness we got them four times in the league. Twice in the Scottish Cup and in the League Cup, and I'm like, Christ, it's it's just it's not great. Yeah, I, bring bring Inverness down, Monday Winnie Cali. Anyway, we will leave it there this week. We will be back next week to look back on hopefully a change of fortunes against Inverness and to preview our trip up to Inverness. In the meantime, if you have any legal complaints, direct them at Villa Number Fourteen on Twitter and stay safe.